0: Welcome back to Worth Recovery, podcast featuring women and sex addiction. I'm super excited that you're here with us today. I'm Amy. I'm a recovering sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. And today marks my 1,230th day sober. I have a little counter on my phone, and it brought up the little thing to remind me today about uh, that special anniversary 1,230 days and I just am really grateful for that I'm really grateful for the recovery and the sobriety that I have found And I'm grateful for the difference and the change that it's made in my life. Doing this podcast has really helped me reflect on some of the massive changes that have happened in my life since I began recovery. And they're incredible and I'm just really having a grateful moment today for that. I'm excited that you're here today for episode 21. Uh, This is the continuation of our deep dive into the 12 steps. We're continuing today with step two. That's what we've been studying for the last few weeks. Step two says that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So just as a quick catch up in episode 17, right? We discussed how this step begins. Came to believe. We begin to work this step just by coming. We came Over and over and over and over and over again, we came to meetings. And as we attended these meetings over and over and over and over and over over again, we, we came to, we woke up, we started to see reality. And as we witnessed others discussing their lives and their addiction, as we discussed our own lives and addiction, we came to. We started to really see the powerlessness and the unmanageability we were living every single day. We started to see the destruction and the wreckage in our lives. This jarring waking up created some discouragement, despair even, we talked about. How are we supposed to change if we are powerless to do so, as step one tells us? But as we looked around at these meetings that we attended over and over and over and over and over again, right? We saw others changing their lives. We saw others making it. We heard about others making it. We came to believe that change was possible, that we could find recovery and build a happy, successful life. We came, we came to, we came to believe. And in episode 19, we discussed exactly what it is that we believe in. We discussed our higher power. I shared a little bit about my own spiritual journey and how, and how I came to an understanding of who or what my higher power is. We all have to do that in this journey of working step two. We have to come to an understanding about what and who our higher power is and how that manifests and works in our own lives. There is room in recovery for your belief in a higher power, whatever that is, whether that is a fellowship group, whether that is a single or multiple spirits tugging at the strings of the universe, or whether you believe in a supreme being who guides the lives of women here on earth. There is room for you and your belief in the fellowship. This higher power, as you have defined in your recovery, we will refer to as God. That's what the program refers to it, as God. Please remember that everyone has their own definition of what a higher power is. One of the things I'm forever grateful that was modeled for me in fellowship meetings was the continual reference to my higher power, my personal higher power, We never made reference to our higher power like a group or the higher power, meaning that there's only one. It's always been a personal higher power. When I talk about my higher power, I use those terms. My higher power. That allows space for others in your fellowship to have their higher power. When we are open and allow others to have their own higher power, we hold space for them in our group. I encourage you as you go through this process of defining your own higher power to be really generic in the way that you refer to that in group meetings to allow space for others. It's one of the things that we do in fellowship for each other is to allow each their own higher power. The last part of this step is our topic for today. So remember, step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity restore us to sanity. This portion of the step asks us to believe that this higher power of our own understanding can and will restore us to sanity. This is a big piece of this step to swallow sometimes for many reasons. Let's start by kind of looking at the underlying assumptions here. First, if we need to be restored to sanity, that means that we're insane insane are, are you insane do you feel like you're insane i mean sure i have some bad habits i make some bad decisions right i might have had some faulty thinking but but insane i mean like i don't know that was a term that was hard for me to grasp and comprehend and and really believe about myself i would never have called myself insane and i really don't think anyone who knew me would have called me insane either but sane, as defined in the dictionary, is free from mental derangement, having a sound, healthy mind, having or showing reason, sound judgment, or good sense. So, ugh, based on that definition, I, I was definitely insane. Or at least parts of my life were, okay? Thankfully, that recognition that even just parts of my life were insane got me through in the beginning, but as I came to meetings and listened to others discuss their lives, their challenges, their faulty thinking, their relapses, their struggles, their victories, their successes, their insanity, I definitely became more and more aware of my own insanity. One of the biggest benefits of going to a lot of meetings is this waking up, this coming to that we discussed in episode 17. We, we came to At the beginning, I knew there were parts of my life, small parts, that's all I was really to admit, small parts that were maybe sort of, kind of insane. (laughs) At least, you know, that's what I was willing to admit at the beginning. Several of the things I did actually made a lot of sense in my head. For instance, I firmly believed that acting out was the only way I could ever have physical affection. My life had taught me that I was not acceptable physically, I didn't fit the mold, and that I would need to trade physical intimacy for the attention, affection, acknowledgement that I wanted from men. I think that was one of the reasons I tried so desperately to turn my acting out partners into actual relationships. It never worked, but that didn't really stop me from trying. Okay, back to the points here. So in my head, I had what I considered sound reasons for the ways that I was acting and for the things that I was doing. But as I came to meetings over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, I started to really understand and see the wreckage of my life. I started to really wake up to my own insanity I think insanity takes many, many different forms. We are all typically aware of our basic insanity, which is, in my opinion, our addictive behaviors. We act out when we don't want to. We hurt the people we deeply love and care about. We put ourselves and those we love at risk and danger all of the time. We neglect them and are wasteful with money and time as we act out our addiction. We feel insane when we are acting out and recognize our poor judgment and faulty thinking. That's kind of our basic insanity. That's what gets us into the program. That's what helps us realize that there is something wrong that we need to fix. However, I think there are two other significant pieces of our sanity, of our insanity, sorry, that we don't always recognize. Another part of my insanity that I wasn't aware of at first is is what I call the inaction of my life. I was now aware, you know, as I got into the program, I was now aware of the behaviors I was doing that was leading to some of the insanity in my life. But I'll never forget when I came to see the insanity of the inaction in my life. I was sitting in my therapist's office crying probably most likely sobbing, after my most recent relapse. It was actually my very last relapse. I had been sober for five and a half months before losing my sobriety. I was feeling that that despair and discouragement that takes over when you relapse, thinking that I was never going to make this work in my life. Feeling like I was just too broken. I said something like, I I just have no idea where this came from. I don't know what led up to it. I have no idea why I acted out. He gave me kind of a funny look, I remember. Really, I protested. It just happened. Like, no buildup, no triggers, nothing. Just happened out of nowhere. Okay, he said. He agreed with me. Then, very carefully, he pulled me back about three to four days earlier and started walking me through some of the things that had been going on in my life. As I talked through each of these events and the work, family, and personal stress and drama I'd been dealing with, he kept asking me questions like, So, did you connect with anyone about that? Or, did you call someone about that? Sometimes he would say, How did your sponsor react to that? I, I was getting annoyed, to be honest. I was really annoyed, actually. <laughs> but the questions continued. So, when you went to your fellowship meeting this week, you talked about it, right? Were you honest? When I explained to him that my boss had had another rage outburst, he said, so you left the office like you told him you were going to, right? Well, no, I didn't. My answer to each of these questions was no. I didn't call someone. I didn't connect. I hadn't talked to my sponsor about it. And when I went to a meeting, I wasn't honest about what I was facing. I didn't lie. I just didn't talk about it. When my boss raged at the entire office and started throwing things, I just sat there and took it. I didn't do anything. And then he said something that has forever changed me. He said, Sounds like there were lots of actions you could have taken prior to choosing to act out. Wow, he was right. This didn't come out of nowhere. This relapse didn't come out of left field. I might not have been aware of how things were affecting me. I might not have connected family or work drama to sexually acting out. But there were a lot of actions I could have taken. I had a toolbox of tools and skills. I had a new network of support and I didn't use a single one of them. I didn't take action. I knew would actually help me. This revealed a whole new piece of my insanity. Just as dangerous as acting out is not taking action that will help me. Part of my insanity is not advocating for my own needs, not coming to my own aid, not taking actions. This can be a huge problem in our lives. Just as damaging as action can be when we choose to act out, that same damage can happen when we choose to do nothing, when we choose not to act. I think that's a piece of our insanity that we sometimes don't look at. We are just as responsible for the inaction of our lives as we are for the action. We can be insane in our actions, like acting out, and in our inactions, not acting to take care of ourselves. But there is also a third part of my insanity, which came in a totally different form. I've always been one of those people that others confide in. I seem to draw out those people that need and want to talk about their problems. When I entered recovery, this was overwhelming in my life. Completely overwhelming. I couldn't handle my own life, (laughs) let alone anyone else and their problems. But time and time again, I found myself in situations where I was called upon to help and fix the problems of others. And I did it every single time. And then I heard someone share at a meeting about playing God in the lives of others. Though our circumstances were totally different, I instantly knew what she meant. Step two tells us that my higher power can restore me to sanity. It doesn't say my best friend, my mom, my neighbor, or anything like that. My higher power can restore me to sanity. It isn't anyone else's job or responsibility to do that. I can't even do that myself. I can only be restored to sanity with the help of my higher power. If that applies to me, it also applies to everyone else. I recognize that it was not my responsibility to restore anyone else to sanity, to fix their lives, to help them change their lives or their plans. That was the job of their higher power. But that's not at all how I was acting. I viewed myself as the solution to everyone else's problems. I believed that when people came to me with their problems or struggles, it was my responsibility and my duty to fix them. It was my job to solve their problems, and I was really, really good at it. I had a reputation for it even. I viewed myself as the solution for everyone and everything, yet I knew no one could solve my own problems. I knew it was only my job to make that happen. This change in understanding was a profound moment for me. I had started withdrawing from social situations and friends because I just couldn't take on the problems of anyone else. My own were enough, but I I just couldn't help it. I had no boundaries when it came to helping others. I felt it was my duty, my calling even, my role and my responsibility when anyone told me anything about their life that they were facing, I was instantly the solution. I would sacrifice everything in order to help someone else. I would sacrifice my work, money, time, my own health even, to come to the aid of others when it was totally inconvenient. And the thing was, I didn't do this with a gracious heart or with good intent. I I felt it was my job, my duty, my responsibility. It was not something I wanted to do, but something that I couldn't help doing. Listening to this woman share that day about her latest experience trying to play God in someone's life, I recognized that I had been doing that my entire life. My entire life I had been playing God and acting like the higher power of the people around me. Talk about insanity. I couldn't even manage my own life. I had a serious addiction, but I thought I could manage the lives of others. I thought I was even good at it. Who did I think I was? Talk about pride and delusion. Talk about being obsessed with myself, thinking that I was God, that I could do for others what I couldn't even do for myself. The essay White Book refers to it this way. It says, quote, most difficult for us to see was that being obsessed with self meant we had become the source of our lives, our own God. We were the most important person in the world, close quote. That was definitely how I felt about myself. But not only that, not just the source of my own life, I had made myself the source of the lives around me. A God for everyone else. It had to stop. The insanity had to stop. I released myself from being God. I released myself from the responsibility of fixing other people. I learned about empathy and I learned most importantly about boundaries. It has been a truly profound thing in my life, and it didn't come all at once. It came from hard work. It has definitely changed the way that I interact and relate to other people. I thought for a long time that I would not be able to have close relationships because of this compulsive need to help others. But yet I have found that with boundaries in place, I can be very close to people and love them and sit with them. And, and not help them. It's been amazing. These three pieces of our insanity, action, inaction, and playing God, are not things that we learn or that happen in our lives all at once. We don't wake up one day and have an addiction out of nowhere. One day totally sane and the next day totally addicted. That's not how it works. No matter if you want to believe that's how it works, it's not. And just like it doesn't happen all at once, We also aren't restored all at once either. The last piece of this step I want to discuss today is the word restore. I think we misunderstand this word a lot. We sometimes think of it as a single culminating event, a one-time deal, where we are transformed never to act out, misbehave, misspeak, or mistreat anyone ever again. We wait for this big moment of sanity to hit us. We believe we will be altered and changed in a monumental way. But... I think it's different. I think it's very different. When we talk about the word remember, we typically recognize that this is something that we do over and over again. We work at remembering. We invent and practice tips and tricks to help us remember things. We take classes. We buy books. We do all sorts of things so that we can work at remembering. The prefix re, R-E means to occur again and again. Words like remarry, recur, repeat indicate that. We think about that when we consider the word remember. Now let's think about that when we consider the word restore. I don't think this is a one-time event. I don't think that we are one-time restored to sanity. Just like the word remember, this is something that happens over and over and over again in the little moments of our lives. Sometimes the pace is so slow that it is hardly noticeable. But I can definitely see and think of sane moments in my life. Moments of clear sanity that are the result of my higher power working in my life. These moments are small and if we aren't looking for them, we can pass them by. I think of the times I've said the right thing. I think of the times I see a connection in my life between my emotions and my behaviors. I think of the times I hold my temper and act out of compassion rather than anger. The times that stand out to me the most are the times I was just present. I was present in the moment with the people I was with and we made a connection, one that impacted me for the the good, for the better. One of the most sane moments in my recovery was my dad's funeral and working through my dad's death and the grief that came from that. This is one of the biggest gifts of my recovery, being present with my dad before his death and being sane enough to do that. I've had many, many moments of sanity in recovery, but they're small. And if I don't look for them, I don't recognize them. Another part of the restoring to sanity is recognizing that these moments of sanity do not exempt me from moments of insanity. I believe, like the word remember, I am sane as long as I rely on my higher power for help and I work at being sane. There are tips and tricks for staying sane, just like there are tips and tricks for remembering. Having this restoration to sanity is not something that exempts me from insanity. All it means is that if in the moment I take the time to rely on my higher power, seek my higher powers, guidance, and help, that in the moment I can act in a sane way, I can have a healthy mind in healthy judgment and sound judgment and as long as I keep working on that I will have these moments of sanity more and more often I think now of the moments of sanity that I have daily that are so different from what I had years ago when I first started recovery this step step 2 came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity is not one to overlook many times people don't think of this step as a step of action it's just a belief we say to ourselves. We came to believe. But I, I, I differ from that. I think that this is a big step of action. I think if we take the time to really explore our own insanity, our own chaos, our own beliefs in a higher power, and to dig deep and really understand where we are, we put ourselves in a much better position to be able to move forward in our recovery without setback. I'm excited to share with you in our next episode about how I've worked this step in my own life. It works when I work it, they say in fellowship meetings, probably every day around the world, and it does. Just how do you work step two in your own life? What are the things that you do to find your insanity, to define your higher power? We will discuss those ideas in episode 23, and I'll share some of the things I've done in my life. Thanks again for joining us today for episode 21. I hope that you can look at your own insanity in your own life and the ways that it manifests and to start looking for the moments of sanity that you find in your life. Those little moments where your higher power helps to restore you to sanity. As always, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this moment, no matter how insane you might feel, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. Keep up the fight. No matter how slow the progress is, it doesn't matter. Keep fighting and keep moving forward. I think about you. I pray for you. I love you. Until next time, Amy.